Welcome to the ISO with myself, your host, Dan Dickow on the Gonzaga Nation Media Network. As we continue our tour of the WCC and conversations with all the head coaches, today's one of the best coaches in the West Coast Conference. He's taken 11 teams to the NCAA tournament, five to the NIT. He's looking to get Santa Clara back. He almost had them there a season ago. Coach Herb Sendek. Coach, thanks for joining. My pleasure. My pleasure. Well, you guys were one of those teams that was fighting for a possible at-large bid um, a season ago. If you take away some early season injuries, you take away a couple pauses that were due to COVID that everybody dealt with, um, and you reflect on your season, what what was it? What was the the feeling in the locker room at the end of the year last year? Did you maximize your opportunities? Yeah, I mean, unless you're able to cut down the nets. Right. There's always a desire for more, no matter how much you may have attained. And, and certainly I think our group was left wanting, even though um, that they simultaneously felt good about what they had accomplished. Um, you know, in retrospect, if you look back to your point uh, early in the season, we had about a four to six week stretch where we didn't have Josip Rankic, he was out with mono, and we also didn't have Jaden Bediako, who had a foot injury. And um, so our team was reconfigured during that time. And, uh, you know, we, we cost ourselves some games that would have been good to have in the win column, needless to say, at the end of the year. Um, but that was an obstacle, you know, during that fairly prolonged stretch of time you know that wasn't a week or two that was a pretty good stretch and then once we got into the conference um like a lot of teams you're right we started with a I think a three-week pause right out of the gates and then uh we, for the most part we played pretty good basketball but you know in order to uh get across the hump especially given um our missteps during that four to six week period I, that I mentioned, um, you know, we probably needed another game or two uh, in the win column. But all in all, it was a good season for us. Uh, you know, wish we could have won a few more and gone farther, probably like a lot of people. But it really was a fun group to coach, a great group of guys. Uh, so from that standpoint, the journey was was really enriching. Well, I saw you guys early on in the season when you beat Stanford at home. I called the game for CBS Sports Network, uh, and, and I was impressed with your group. Like we mentioned, there were some injuries, but how do you keep the momentum going? You lose Josip Brankic, uh, who was a tremendous player for a long stretch of your program due to graduation, and Jalen Williams, you know, he was a hidden gem in all of college basketball last year. He's looking to be probable first-round pick. How do you keep the momentum going? Yeah, well, like like most teams in college basketball these days, you're going to have to replenish your roster from year to year. And when you really um, have a good squad, chances are you're going to have to replace good players like Jalen Williams and Joseph Rankage and for us, P.J. Pipes as well. And so you do it two ways, obviously, right? You You do it with the continued maturation and development of the players in your program and you're always recruiting. And uh, so we feel good about where our roster is going into next season. We're excited about um, the progress that players are making. Um, 
and we, we also look forward to the new guys joining us. Progress of players and player development is huge. You know, speak to the development of Jalen Williams uh, in his time at, at Santa Clara. I remember talking to your staff before that mentioned game against Stanford, and I liked him as a sophomore, but I didn't know what to expect. And, and you guys essentially said, he's going to have a heck of a season. I think you guys knew something because he put all the pieces together. Talk about the player development side that you guys have and how he took advantage of it. Well, I think there's two parts to that. First, to Jalen's immense credit, he is an everyday guy and he got better every stage of the journey. Going back to when he was in high school, each year he's come back and he's better than he was the previous year, not by a little bit, but by a significant amount. You use the term hidden gem. I think one of the reasons that that perhaps has some validity is his sophomore year was really an aberration, you know, not to make an excuse for him or anybody else, but <clears throat> we were probably hit as hard with COVID as any team in a country to the point where we literally were displaced from campus for two months, living in a hotel, very limited gym access. And so I don't know that Jalen's sophomore year was representative of the progress he was making and we were able to see uh, here in close quarters. Um, you know, we ended up, I think, only playing 21 games his sophomore year. And so, you know, unless you really got a, you know, a microscope out, um, you know, that that year could really be misleading in terms of, you know, evaluating him. In fact, you know, I've told some NBA teams, they'd be wise really not to read too much into that year just discount it because if you were here on a daily basis and you understood not just the physical aspects of it, but the mental mm -hmm. wear and tear of that season, you know, it's just hard to, it's hard to calibrate and account for. When I look at his, his uh, game, I think it's tailor-made to the NBA because of his athleticism and his length but also the fact that he's multi-skilled. You did a nice job of putting him in a number of different situations. He'd come off wide pin downs. He was great in transition, but then he also handled the ball and pick and rolls a lot. When you're evaluating recruiting players, do you look for multi-positional type guys or do you kind of look to fill certain spots uh, for your offense? Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's more the former. You know, you always don't get who you want, right? It's not always that perfect fit in recruiting. Um, but we look for guys who are multidimensional and then we try our best to help them advance on a broad base front, you know, not put them in too narrow of a lane. Let's face it, the guys we're getting are young players. Um, who knows who they ultimately are going to become. So we don't want to predetermine that. Uh, we don't want to turn our knee-jerk decisions into self-fulfilling prophecies. You know, we want our guys to kind of find their way and help help them do that by working with them, um, like I said, on a broad-based front. You've had success coaching at, at a number of different stops, um, Miami of Ohio, North Carolina State in the ACC, Arizona State in the Pac-12. The WCC has made tremendous strides over the last few years. I mean, there were three teams in the tournament last year. You guys and BYU were on the cusp. We've already touched on that a little bit, but how good – and undervalued is this league in the average college basketball fans mind across the country? 
Yeah, I think we're gaining recognition, but I think we're still very much undervalued. Um, and I, I couldn't agree more. I think the progress the league is making is exponential. Um, and even if you, you know, peek over the horizon to next season, the players that the league is bringing in, you know, across the board, you know, all, all through the league is, is really noticeable and impressive. And so um, we have to continue to work to tell our story um, because the league is, is extremely good and, and obviously very competitive. Well, there's been an, a number of good transfers that have come to WCC schools, but you've also seen uh, a, a recognizable face from coaching and broadcasting come back to the bench in, in San Diego with uh, Steve Lavin. Did you ever match up with him uh, as a coach at any of his or your previous stops? I haven't. You know, obviously, uh, you know, met him as a broadcaster and through the years, uh, but, but never had a chance to coach against one of his teams. Looking big picture again at the league itself, um, lots of teams are making moves in the transfer portal. Do you keep an eye on what other teams are doing or is it head down focused on Santa Clara? Um, how, how do you kind of kind of focus in league and Santa Clara during the off season? Yeah, I mean, it's it's ninety nine percent Santa Clara during the off season. Certainly, you know, when there's a big commitment um, or signing you know, we can't help but notice, you know, we're plugged into the news and happenings of college basketball, but, you know, there's, there's enough on our plate in the off season to focus on ourselves, you know, trying to fill our roster, develop our players, construct our schedule, all those kind of things. Um, and so we're not overly um, consumed with the roster additions and deletions of all the teams in the league, but we are aware. You've uh, had tremendous success at a number of different stops. So you've seen the evolution of college basketball with styles of play, with different rule changes. Is there one rule change that you would like to see made in college basketball? It's a great question. Um, you know, I I I like what would like probably for the game to continue to evolve in a way that makes us um, more lock and step with the international and NBA games, you know, maybe pick some of the, continue to pick some of the best practices that they employ. Um, I, I think that would, would be a good way to go without maybe identifying any one particular rule, you know, whether it's, you know, moving the lane out, um, uh, playing with a 24 second shot clock, all those kind of things. Yeah. The 24 second shot clock is, is something that I would love to see happen in, in college basketball. I think the uniformity between FIBA NBA and college would be great. Um, and it would also allow players to be able to, to have more possessions. I think fans like that. Granted the college game is different entertainment value wise than the NBA, but I think it would be great to have more possessions in a college game. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it really does appeal to fans and, and people enjoy that. You know, the only the only counter argument that perhaps consider is, um, you know, the shorter the shot clock, the more possessions, you know, that that tends to favor the more talented teams. Right. 
Um, the fewer possessions in a game, um, if you're the less talented squad over time, perhaps that gives you a better chance at an upset. Um, I don't, you know, haven't proved that, you know, empirically, but that would seem to be the case. Obviously, NIL is a huge buzzword uh, throughout college sports. I've said it's going to take a couple of years to flush out. Um, I know you can't have direct hand in conversations, but you have to be aware of what's going on. With Santa Clara being in the heart of Silicon Valley, I'm, I can only imagine there's some great opportunities for your guys. Uh, how does that kind of conversation uh, get handled in Santa Clara Athletic Department? Well, I mean, I think not just on our campus, but on every campus across the country, um, you know, institutions are huddling and having conversations on the impact of NIL and, and how given um, our unique location, as you mentioned, um, the resources available, the philosophy, um, how we can best position ourselves. You know, I think everybody's doing that. And at the same time, you know, because it is so new and, you know, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of framework around it. People still have many questions. And so I think it's very much a work in progress. I don't know if there's any merit in evaluating whether you like it, dislike it, if you're in favor of it, not in favor of it, because I think, you know, that train has left the station. So I think it's up to schools now just to figure out how they're going to participate most effectively, given who they are, where they are, and the resources available. Coach Perry at Pacific told me the answer to this next question was going to music festivals with his family. Coach Johnson of LMU um, likes to just get away with family time on a, on a quick vacation. Coach Few, everybody knows he likes to fly fish. Coach Sendik, you get a couple breaks in the schedule where you're not recruiting, you're not actively doing anything for the upcoming season. How do you get away and make sure you're re-energized, ready to go for your Santa Clara basketball team? Yeah, I mean, the best thing for me is to be with family, my daughters, my grandchildren, uh, parents, sister, any, anytime I could be together with my family, um, that's the best for me. Obviously, you know, as a coach, you don't have an opportunity to do that as much as you'd like, especially during the thick of the season. So when those time periods come up, like you just described, that that's what I'd like to do. Awesome. Well, hopefully you can get plenty of family time before uh, the high school evaluation periods kick off in July. Best of luck uh, in the upcoming season, and I'm sure I'll call a couple Bronco games next year. Look forward to seeing you, Dan, and have a great uh, summer.